Well, it's really good to see you today. Thank you for being at Christ Community Church. I and mean, if I have not had the chance to meet you yet, my name's Daryl Holden. I'm one of the pastors here. And it's my privilege to be with you today. Thanks for, thanks for coming and being part of this, what we've got going on here. Um, Thursday night, Marie and I and a, a good number of people from Christ Community were at uh, Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge, the Rochester Gala. And uh, just reminded me, we have the ladies from the long-term program in our church, and uh, they're here for this service. So if you guys wouldn't mind like just welcoming them. So here's what I was thinking about what you ladies from Teen Challenge are facing. This is a, um, a high like Thursday night and then to come into a weekend, I would imagine there's a lot of spiritual up and down and we just want you to know we're your church and we're for you and we're with you and we are proud of you and we are really grateful for what you're standing in front of and letting God speak into and speak over and just way to go. So we're, um, we're glad to be part of you. So not just Teen Challenge ladies, welcome to the rest of you too. Hey, if, you are, if you're newer here and we have not had the chance to meet you yet, we'd really love that opportunity. And so we put that QR code on the seat back in front of you. You can shoot that with your phone and that will take you to our digital connect card. Or you can go out into the hallway there on the foyer and there's a, um, there's a welcome desk right there for those of you who are here in this room. Love to meet you there. For those of you who are online, you can hit the connect button and that also takes you to our digital connect card. And we'd love to know if there's any way we could pray for you. We could help you, serve you. Any questions we could answer for you, we would love to be able to do that. So this weekend, we are wrapping up our series that we've called Midterms. Uh, we've based these last four weeks on the premise that sometimes God tests his people. And like any good teacher, God does not test his people to fail us but instead he tests us so that he can bless us. And so we've spent these last four weeks talking about how we can experience, receive the blessing that God wants to give us. And so as we, as we think about like this season that we're in, we're in the midterm elections and we are in a time when the culture around us and even the great temptation for us is to put our hope, our confidence for ourselves, for our community, for the future of our country in the hands of some politicians, and I think the answer the Bible would speak over that is like, that, that's not our hope. If our hope, is mis, if our hope is placed in a politician, a political platform, party, policy, like it's misplaced, it falls short. Instead, Jesus is our hope. And so again, we're being asked, I think this question this week that we're being asked this week is who are we gonna trust to lead us? Like in our everyday lives, who do, who do we trust to be our leader? Who are we gonna trust to set the way? Who are we gonna trust to help us know how to move forward? And, and the answer to that for us as Christian people is our hope, our trust is in Jesus. So each week we've been talking about who Jesus is. We started this series talking about Jesus being our savior and, and then we talked about him being our sanctifier and last week we talked about how Jesus is the one who heals us. This week I wanna talk with you about Jesus being king. He's our, he's our king. And it's always an interesting conversation to have with people like us who have zero experience living in a kingdom. We live in, we live in a democracy, a democratic republic. We, we've always been able to vote. We've always had a say. We have an entirely different relationship with our leadership in this country than people who live in a kingdom. And yet over and over again, the Bible holds out for this idea that, that for us, this idea that Jesus is, he's our king. 
So I wanna explore that with you today, and what I wanna do is I wanna take you to three different passages of scripture that talk about this idea, and then I think there, I'm gonna give you five things that come to my mind that I think flow out of this statement of, of Jesus being our king. So I wanna start in the scriptures with an ancient prophecy. So this, this comes from the sixth century BC. So 600 plus years before Jesus comes on the scene. There was a, a guy who was a prophet of God and his name was Daniel. In the Old Testament, there's a short to medium little book that he kind of wrote and is about him, things that went on during his lifetime. And he was known, he lived in, he lived in ancient pagan kingdoms and he was known by these ancient kings that he served to be one who, who saw visions, who dreamed dreams, and that the creator God spoke to him and spoke through him. And so Daniel has this particular vision, and I'm reading from Daniel chapter seven, starting in verses 13 and 14. So Daniel says, in my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. So this Ancient of Days is, is the eternal God, the one who has no beginning and no end. And so this, this one who is like a son of man approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. And there in the presence of the eternal God, the Son of Man was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations, Peoples of every language worshiped him, and his dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. So, so the ancient of days, the eternal God to this one person who's identified like he looks like a son of man to this one person, authority, glory, sovereign power are all given to him, and he has everlasting dominion. Like from, from beginning to end, he's in charge. He has everlasting dominion and his kingdom will never be destroyed. That's not something to be said of any other kingdom or any other civilization in the history of humankind. Like everyone else has, like every one of them, have, they have risen and they have peaked and they have declined and they have fallen. And that will be true of every kingdom, every civilization of human history except for this one because the eternal creator God is giving to this king eternal dominion in a kingdom that will not be destroyed. This one who appears to be a son of man. So move forward with me about 600 plus years and Jesus is on the scene. And Jesus would talk about himself and one of the, well, the most frequent reference he used for himself, he called himself the Son of Man. Over 80 times in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Jesus refers to himself as the Son of Man. And his, his first audience, the people who were listening to him like say these things out loud, they, they knew when they heard Jesus refer to himself as son of man, they were thinking about two things from the ancient scriptures that they knew. In Ezekiel the prophet, he talked about, he called himself and was referred to as the son of man, and Jesus is connecting with humankind. So he is, he's one of us. But the other thing 
that they were here and that was always just kind of rattling around in their head as Jesus was referring to himself as the son of man was this ancient prophecy in Daniel where it says there was one like a son of man who, who stood before the ancient of days and received authority and glory and power and eternal dominion. And so Jesus, one of my favorite spots, and this is one of the last times that he referred to himself as the son of man. This is in Matthew chapter 25. And it's this, this long section where Jesus is just uninterrupted. He's just talking. And he's talking about the last days and talking about kind of how it's all gonna end up and how it's gonna, how it's gonna wrap up together, how it's all gonna come to an end. In Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 31, Jesus says this. When the Son of Man, he's, he's pointing at himself when he says it, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne and all the nations will gather before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats with the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And, and so they're, they're hearing him talk about himself coming. He's just, at this point, when Jesus is saying these things, he is a rabbi in the ancient nation of Israel. It's, what, 30 AD. And he's one of a group of people who, who were Bible teachers, Old Testament teachers, and they had followers. And, and he's looking at these guys, and he's got dirt on his feet, sweat on his brow. He's wearing the same kind of robes as everybody else. But he's making this bold statement that when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels come with him, the nations are gonna be gathered in front of him. And they're gonna answer to him. And he's gonna separate them. He's gonna separate the people of the nations the way a shepherd separates sheep from goats. And he's, and he's laying out for his followers, for the people who are listening, of I am here today like one of you, but there's a day coming when, when this, this changes, this is different. I'm the eternal king and I have an eternal dominion and I am king over a kingdom that will never be destroyed. And so Jesus is making this bold claim to be God's eternal king. And then there's one more passage of scripture I wanna show you and this is, this is a vision of the future. This is written by the Apostle John who saw these things, that God let him see what the future, showed him, not just let him see it, but showed him what the future would hold and told him to write these things down so that people from the date of your writing to when these things happen, they get to know how this is gonna all wrap up. And so John sees in his vision, this is Revelation 19, and this is verses 11, 13, 16. It says, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me, so this is what I saw, a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. And with justice, he judges and wages war. He's dressed in a robe dipped in blood and his name is the Word of God. Now that's our, that's our clue 
in the writings of the Apostle John, the word of God is Jesus. So there's no question who who he is seeing and who he's writing about. The name on his robe is the word of God. On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Not just King and Lord, but King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And that picture of Jesus coming on his glorious throne, sitting on his glorious throne with the angels with him and the nations gather before him. It's not just regular people who populated those nations who are gonna gather before him. It is gonna be the kings, the leaders, the authority figures, as well as the people. And everybody's gonna meet him and everybody's gonna answer to him because he is, he is king of kings and he is Lord of lords. And, and so this picture that we see from John's vision on a white horse like he is, he is warrior king in this picture with, with the posture of judge over, over everyone and everything that has been created. And as I, as I think about that little picture there, how different that is than Jesus in a manger and how, how different that is than you know, Jesus on a cross this is, this is Jesus, one of my friends described this scene and some of the other ones, this is Jesus, like bad to the bone. Right? This, is, this is the risen Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords, the one to whom everyone will bow. And so from, from 600 and something years before Jesus was born to Jesus' claims to this scene still from eternity future, the the common thread and the continual statement of the scriptures is that this Jesus, he did come as baby in the manger and he died as savior on the cross for us and he rose again from the dead and lives today and will come in the future as king of kings and lord of lords. And so this, is, this picture I think there, there are a few things, when I start thinking about Jesus being king in my life, there, there are a number of things I think through, and I just, I just kinda wanna highlight five of these things for us. Jesus is king, I think the, the first question that we have to think about is, it's a question of allegiance. You know, where does my allegiance lie? If there is, if there is a king, if there is a lord, where, to whom, to what do I bow my knee, right? If there's, if there's a king, kings are different than presidents and governors and community leaders. Like, you and I don't have, like, our leadership in the country, we don't live under a king. We don't have anybody who expects us to actually bow our knee, kiss their ring, that, that kind of stuff. But, but the relationship that subjects have with their king is a different deal. And so I think the question is, like, who is Lord for me? Romans chapter 10, verse nine. The apostle Paul was writing to the church at ancient Rome. And in ancient Rome, you could get away with just about anything if your answer to the question, who is Lord, was Caesar is Lord. He's, he's in the Roman pantheon of gods and all that stuff. Where does my allegiance lie? 
As long as my allegiance lies with Caesar, I'm good. So the Apostle Paul, writing to the church in ancient Rome, says to them, this is in Romans chapter 10, verse nine, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Who is Lord was a really big deal in ancient Rome. And I think it's a really big deal today. Like that question, who is Lord in your life? Who's Lord in my life? Like that's a really big question. I just, thinking back through the years, I know this isn't the church answer, right? <laughs> but thinking back through, through the years, who's Lord? Well, sometimes work is Lord. Right, if we're just honest with ourselves, we're thinking about like, sometimes work is Lord, sometimes work is calling the shots, and sometimes family is Lord. And either it's because I want to or because I have to, but like family is, is, they get my allegiance right now, I'm giving my allegiance to, to that person or those people, and sometimes it's just me. I'm Lord, I'm, I'm in charge of me, I'm not bowing my knee to anyone or anything. Sometimes it's just, I am Lord. Sometimes, sometimes my fear is Lord. Things I'm afraid of, stuff I don't wanna happen. Just trying, to, trying to build walls in my life to keep the stuff that scares me out or away. Sometimes fear is Lord. Sometimes money is Lord. I mean, you, just, you start thinking through who, you're, who and where your allegiance lies. And and what we know, what we know, whether you're the, the ancient people at the, in the church at Rome or you're us today, if, if Caesar is Lord or if work is Lord or if I'm Lord or fear is Lord, like all of those lords, what they all have in common, they're all takers. They will, just, they will, they will take everything you have and all of who you are, they will take it from you. There's only one Lord who's a giver. And that's Jesus. And he is, he is the Lord who has given his life for us and gives his life to us. And as we make that confession, that statement of allegiance that I'm aligned with him, like Jesus, Jesus is my Lord, that's the statement, that's the allegiance where, where life is found. Because because he's the only one who has the power to meet not only like the stuff that's inside of us head on, but he has the power to take on the stuff that's outside. He can take that head on too. And he's the warrior king Lord who comes to bat, comes to battle for his people. And so I think we've gotta, we've gotta sort through this allegiance question. Philippians chapter two says every knee, there's a day coming. There's a future day when every knee is gonna bow and every tongue throughout all of human history, will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And it's this beautiful confession that you and I can make, this alignment, this allegiance with him as he's our king, he's our king. And there's, a, there's an allegiance question when we start talking about Jesus being the king. The second thing that comes to mind for me as we talk about Jesus being king, it's a citizenship question. Which citizenship has priority for me? My, my earthly citizenship or my heavenly citizenship? Because if you read through, particularly through the New Testament, this, this theme comes up. 
there's not just one kingdom right now, there's two kingdoms right now. There's the kingdom of heaven and there's the kingdom of earth. And you and I start out and we live in this kingdom of earth. And, and so who's, whose kingdom am I living in? Where's my citizenship? And I love this statement from the Apostle Paul. He's writing the church at Philippi, ancient church at Philippi, and he's asking the citizenship question. And the reason I love this, and it, it helps me and it challenges me he, in the citizenship question. So if you were in ancient Philippi, your Roman citizenship was a really big deal. And you gotta remember, at this time, the first century, ancient Rome, like they're the world power. And so, so they are in charge everywhere of everyone. And if you have, like if you are a Roman citizen, you have rights and privileges no matter where you are. If it's, in, if it's under the Romans' control, you have rights and you have privileges because you are a citizen of Rome. And in Philippi, Philippi was one of the places where Caesar rewarded war heroes. So if, if you have been valiant in battle for Caesar or you have served faithfully for Caesar, your reward might be land in and around Philippi. And so the Apostle Paul is writing into this ancient Philippian culture where, where everything revolved around your citizenship. And, and he's making this statement to the little church there and reminds them in Philippians chapter three, verse 20, he said, our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, the nations are gonna be gathered in front of him. Like by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, what he's gonna do for us, he's gonna transform our lowly earthly bodies so that they'll be like his heavenly resurrected self. And again, he's not a taker, he's a giver, and we're waiting for him to come and give to us what he has promised his people for all eternity. And so this, this citizenship is a really big question, and I'm processing this because I was taught and embraced the idea, and have probably taught it myself at different points, the idea of dual citizenship. That we're citizens of the United States, and, and that comes from deep gratitude for the sacrifices that people have made so that you and I experience, have, get to live in the kind of freedom that, that God has given to us through the sacrifices of other people. So this idea of being a dual citizen, of a citizen of the United States and a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, and, and that how those things lay side by side. That I'm a citizen of the United States and I'm a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, and, and I'm being challenged in that, and I'm having to wrestle through this, and I don't like to wrestle through a lot of stuff in front of you guys, I like to have some things worked out before I talk about them, but this is, this is one I'm wrestling through right now, of of am I a dual citizen? And where I'm leaning is no. What does it look like, this, this is the question I'm asking myself, what does it look like for my heavenly citizenship to trump my earthly citizenship? I'm using the wrong word there. For my heavenly citizenship to override my earthly citizenship. What, what, is, what does that look like for me? Because 
I'm a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And as I'm exploring this in the Bible, one of the things that, that has stood out to me, and this is just for your processing, the Apostle Paul was a Roman citizen. He was a citizen of Rome. He only talks about it one time in the New Testament. It was when he was in Philippi, where citizenship was a big deal, and the authorities in Philippi has viol had violated his rights as a Roman citizen. They had, because he was proclaiming Jesus as Lord, not Caesar, he was proclaiming Jesus as Lord, they grabbed him, beat him, threw him into jail, and never said anything about, hey, are you a citizen of Rome? Because if you're a citizen of Rome, you have a different set of rights. And so when they figured out, like when they learned that he was a Roman citizen, they wanted him to just be released quietly, let's not make a fuss of this in any way, and he, he insisted on his rights as a Roman that the people in charge of Philippi came and ushered him out of town. It was, just, it was just a moment of this citizenship of heaven thing is over this citizenship of earth thing. And other than that, it's, being a Roman citizen doesn't seem to be a big deal to him. He, he lives in that, but his, our citizenship is in heaven. And we await a savior from there, Jesus Christ, who has great power and who will give us what he's promised to us. So yeah, the citizenship thing is, is one of the questions, one of the implications. Another one that I'm processing through is, is which kingdom's values and priorities am I embracing? Because again, going back to this idea, there's, there's kingdom of earth and there's kingdom of heaven and we live in the kingdom of earth. We're citizens of the kingdom of heaven, but we live in the kingdom of earth and it's really easy to let the values and the priorities of the kingdom of earth infect and influence our lives. So I think this is, this is a question of what, Whose values, whose priorities are, are we living out? And so there's this fun little section in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. The Apostle Peter's writing this, and he's, he's writing about values and priorities of people who are citizens of the kingdom of heaven, how we live that out. And he starts... In verse three, as he begins to write this, he starts with this statement about Jesus. He said, in his divine power, he's given us everything we need to live out these priorities and values. And so you and I have been gifted, grace gifted by God, what it takes to live out these values and priorities. And, and it's kind of fun and interesting reading through these values and priorities so it talks about you know, adding these things on to one another. And so you start with faith. And faith is a huge value in God's eternal kingdom, in the kingdom of heaven, of, of just being yes people and, and trusting him and moving forward and, and believing what we can't see and acting on that. And so it starts with faith and add to your faith goodness and knowledge and self-control and perseverance and godliness and mutual affection. It ends up in love. It just that self-sacrificing, whatever it takes, love for, for God, for one another, for the world in which we live, for the people around us. This, these are the priorities and these are the values of the kingdom of heaven. And you don't have to figure this out. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you're, if you're aligned with him, you don't have to figure this out. You don't, have to, you don't have to somehow come up with it deep within yourself and if I can figure out how to live here. He's, by his great power, this king who is, 
a giver and not a taker. Like by his great power, he's given you what you need to, to be this kind of person living out these values, living out these priorities in a world that these, these are not the values and priorities of the culture around us. And so living this out, now we are unique and shine light, life into people that are placed in circles around us. And so when Jesus is king, we, we start to think about priorities and values and which, which kingdom's priorities and values am, am I living out? Which ones am I prioritizing? Which ones am I hanging on to? And so these values and priorities are a big deal. To start thinking about Jesus as king, another thing that comes to my mind is, is mission. You know, whose who's mission am I on? Because there's there are a lot of people who have, like, I have a mission for myself that I can default to, and there are other people who have missions that they think I ought to be on. And, and Jesus, our king, has given us a mission. And it goes back to that first group of people that followed him around and saw him live and saw him die and saw him risen again and were standing you know, face to face with him. When, when he gave to them, not just like as their friend, as their buddy, not just as kind of their rabbi or their pastor, but as their risen king. When he gave them, he says, hey, this is what life is gonna, this is what your life should be about. From, from this moment forward, this is what your life is about. And it's recorded for us in Acts chapter one, verse eight. He looks at me and says, hey, you're gonna receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and then you're gonna be my witnesses. In Jerusalem where they lived, Judea and Samaria, which is kind of the region around them, to the uttermost parts of the earth, the farthest places away, I'm gonna give you the power to do it. Just hang here and wait for the power to do it. Don't go running off on your own. This is not a mission that you can accomplish without his power. But I'm gonna give you this mission and then I'm gonna let you be the people who get to bring good news of life and light and hope and peace and freedom that's found in being aligned with this king who is, a giver and not a taker. And, and so you're gonna get to take that message from, from wherever you are today, so you get to be part of it going to the ends of the earth. And I've said this before and I'll continue to say it, you and I are sitting in this room watching on this, this video because those people took that message seriously and they went from there to their ends of the earth, and there were people all along the way who've picked up that baton and taken this mission seriously that I've got one mission. I, like I have power from on high to go and, and be a bearer of good news to people who desperately need to hear it. And that's, that's the mission of our king, not that he's taking life from you to put you on his mission, but that he is he is taking you from something that does not lead to life. Because I think this falls, for me, this falls back towards the allegiance thing. Who's Lord? Because work has a mission for you and family has a mission for you and you have a mission for yourself. Like, 
and this world has a mission for you, and all of those things, will, they, will, they will take, they will steal who you are and what God intended for you to be and to become. And he gives you a mission that lets you become and be and experience and live out the fullest expression of, of who he's made you to be. So, so I think when we're talking about Jesus being king and being aligned with him, we gotta ask the question, whose mission am I on? And then there's this last one, reward. Whose reward am I pursuing? Jesus is really clear. Because the thing about a king, again, we don't live with one, so you gotta kinda do some reading and research on it. We live in a country where there is separation of power. So we have a, an executive branch, and a legislative branch, and a judicial branch, and we keep those things separate on purpose so that there's not too much power in one group or one person. Jesus is the king, and the king not only declares the law, the king judges the people on how they've lived out according to his declaration, and so this king is also this judge who is not a taker, who is a giver, and one of the last statements that, is, that Jesus makes in Revelation, this is almost the very end of the Bible. Jesus looks at his people and he says, hey, hey, I'm coming soon, and my reward is with me. Like, I am coming, and I am coming to give to you what I've promised to give to you as you live aligned with me. Second Peter chapter one, verse 11, this is that little section I showed you about priorities and values, and it talked about, you know, God's given you what you need, and here's the priorities and values that he's calling us to, and as we live those things out, guess what happens? You'll receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, just standing at the gate of the kingdom, to, to what, it's the king, stands at the gate of the kingdom and welcomes his people in. So there's, there's this reward in Matthew chapter 25 where Jesus is talking about when the Son of Man comes and sits on his glorious throne with the angels and he's gonna separate the people, sheep from the goats, the people who have lived aligned with him. What they're gonna hear is well done, good and faithful servant. It's this, it's this beautiful reward that the king gives to his loyal, royal subjects. And so, so this, this Jesus, who are, we gonna, who are we gonna trust to lead us? I think we can trust the guy who's willing to give his life for us. He's a, he's a giver, he's not a taker. He didn't take your life from you for himself. He gave his life to you, and so he gave his life to you so that you could, you could be forgiven of your sins, you could be restored to a right relationship with God, you could have in his resurrection, his resurrection life so that you could live, you could live free from the, the power of sin, from all the things that chain and bind you, like he's, he breaks that for us. So, so who are we gonna align ourselves with? This Jesus, who are we gonna trust to lead us, to take us forward. The answer to that for us is Jesus. He is, he is our king. 
and we are citizens of his kingdom. And we get to live that out today and this week, we get to live that out in, in a world, in a culture that doesn't necessarily agree with what Jesus has said and what his kingdom stands for, but we get to live as citizens of the kingdom of light in a world that is dark so that other people could come to know this Jesus who is not a taker but who is a giver of life for them. And you and I have this life and we get to be messengers of this good news that this life that Jesus has given to us, he'll give to you. And so, so we look to him as our leader, as our Lord, as our King. So I wanna do this, I, wanna just, I just wanna give us a moment to pray together. And, and this is one of those Jesus is Lord moments. So if that's, if that's something that's new for you, you have an opportunity to turn your back on, on whoever or whatever is Lord over you, whether that's yourself or whether it's your fear, whether it's someone, the takers. You have, you have an opportunity to turn your back on the takers and, and declare the giver is Lord over you or to declare it again. So will you guys bow your head and close your eyes with me? So whether it's the first time or whether it's again for you, and whether it's corrective because you've gotten off stray, off course, or it is affirmation of a way you're living right now. From your heart to the heart and mind of God. So let you say it to him, Jesus, you are Lord. Jesus, we're really grateful that with your power and with your glory, you did not use that for your own benefit, but you used it for ours. And we're really grateful that you would you'd be willing to wrap your arms around people like us to say that we could be, that we could belong to you we could be citizens of your eternal kingdom that will do nothing but prosper. Thank you for being a giver, not a taker. Thank you for, thank you for the gift of, of life and hope and future that we all have. Through you, Jesus, we pray these things in your name, amen. All right, so this is the last week of doing discussion questions, but I wanna say this beforehand. If, you're, if you'd like somebody to pray with you, whatever it is, if you're online, just do hit the prayer button and let us know that way. If you're in the room, there'll be prayer leaders down front afterwards and they would love to come and look for you to come and let them know and they'd be happy to pray with you and like something really cool could happen for you in that prayer, something that's been holding on to you or holding you back. You could leave it in this room and walk forward in the power of King Jesus. So let me give you these questions real quick, these discussion questions. You need to take a picture of this, that's great. They're also on the front page of our website, so you can click on the, this week's discussion questions if you want to go there. 
So as you engage with the sermon, with the devotionals, is there anything that made you pause, reflect, or want to explore further? Is this what's, what's grabbing your attention this week? Are you more inclined to think about Jesus as baby in a manger, a wise and good teacher, or a powerful warrior king? Kind of those three different pictures that we talked about a little bit ago. And why do you think that is? So based on what we've talked about, what we're learning over this week, what do you think the line from the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, means? What are we asking for when we pray that? And then we talked about allegiance, citizenship, values and priorities, mission and reward. So of those five areas, which would you say, like, this is a strength for me? And of those five areas, which would you say, this is a, a growth area for me? And I think that'll be a really good conversation. If you're in a small group, a life group, to have that, or with just at meal that you have after this service with whoever you participated with. It'd be really good, helpful, growth-oriented conversations. So thank you guys for being part of this. I've really enjoyed this series. Thank you for engaging with it. I know you've engaged fully, and I'm really proud of you for that. Um, God bless you guys. I love you. Have a great weekend. I'll see you next week.